Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Why, a podcast that showcases the greatness of people through their life stories. Each episode will capture insight into the lives of people just like you and I, with the intention to connect, align, and create inspiration for and with our listeners. Stay with us through our What's and Why segment, where we dive into our guest perspective with some thought-provoking questions that just might be right up your alley. I'm your host, Helen Dillon, and thanks for joining us. Now let's get into it. Hello again. Thank you for joining and lending us your ears, hearts, and minds for another episode of What's Your Why? Heather and I were recently given the opportunity to remotely catch up with the amazing ladies of C6 Equestrian, a collaboration of inspirational women designed to foster a community of like-minded individuals. Dr. Jenny Susser, an acclaimed sports and performance psychologist, Meta Larson, USDF silver medalist and accomplished FEI dressage competitor, and Sinead Halpin Maynard, a five-star eventing athlete and USEF team rider, happily collided a few years ago and have since created this powerful and growing movement. Their mission is to create a new model for women and horses grounded in how women do it. Their vision is to harness the power of women to create a new transformational space for them and their horses. In a collaborative effort, The team behind C6 Equestrian challenges the current industry model, fostering an innovative community for females within the sport. They challenge old perspectives and invite women to explore a greater connection to their energy, skill sets, and confidence to enhance personal journeys with themselves and their horses. Now, before we get to sharing the lovely ladies of C6, I would very much like to ask you for a favor. As you know, Heather and I are all about bringing you the most enjoyable listening experience possible. Sometimes, though, given circumstances beyond anyone's control, we too experience technological glitches and need to ask for some patience. So with that, I'm asking for your patience and understanding through some imperfect audio, but we really feel like the message in this episode is educational, motivational, and might I even suggest inspiring. From discussing sports psychology and women in sports to building confidence, We bring you the C6 team for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. Our six Cs are confidence, connection, communication, commitment, culture, and community. First and foremost, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Heather and I are thrilled to have you on the show. And I can't wait to hear more about uh, this amazing voice and movement that you're creating in the equestrian industry. Well, we're excited to be here. So thank you for having us. Absolutely. First of all, let's talk about C6. What is that in a nutshell? Our tagline is how women do it. So there's, there's the two pieces to it. There's the six C's and then there's that it's about women. And it's really, we've been sort of called a movement. We didn't start this out thinking, let's create a movement. It sort of began to evolve that way. But uh, Meta and I, obviously, um, our partners have been together for almost 20 years, and we've known Sinead for, <clears throat> I don't know, Sinead, what, has it been like three or four years now, four years, something I like mean, that? it feels like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a compliment. Three, it's a compliment. <laughs> three babies, so yes, so three, probably three or four yeah. years. <laughs> I've always been quite aligned in, you know, philosophically, action wise, and then 
also humor wise, we think we're <laughs> terribly <laughs> funny. <laughs> so I think uh, that was w- one of the big things that brought us together. But Sinead and I were working on some things together and Meta and I were working on some things together and then it made sense for the for the three of us. And it really it really gelled at a clinic that Meta and I put on and talked Sinead into attending. And Sinead was blown away by some of the stuff that Meta and I did and said, hey, this is important. This needs to get out there. I want to be a part of it. Let's do more of this. Then it snowballed from there. It evolved. Yeah. So essentially C6 equals? Our six Cs are confidence, connection, communication, commitment, culture, and community. And so the the story on where the six C's came from is that Meta and I were, had done a couple of clinics on the science of confidence and connection. So something that I've done as a sports psychologist for many years, for 10 years, is, is look at riding and confidence, right? So, I mean, gosh, my phone rings off the hook with adult, mm-hmm. amateur, and professional, primarily women, who suffer from confidence and their problem with their confidence disrupts their connection with their horse, their connection with their themselves, their connection with their ability to perform. Meta and I were like, let's just do a couple clinics, just see, you know, see if we can start to create something here. And the science of confidence and connection was like a huge hit because I come from, uh, so I have a, a degree in clinical psychology and I love research. I love science. I love experience. I love intuition. I love putting it all together and creating just like this really cool hodgepodge of anything that helps. And mm-hmm. when I talk about the science with people, especially brain science, they, they it's enlightening to know, I'm pointing at my head, how this thing works. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we, we did a couple of clinics. Sinead came to one and it was really cool. And Sinead and I had been working on some performance stuff together. So Sinead came over with her famous notebook and said, okay, confidence, connection. Yes, absolutely. But we want to take this to a high performance relationship too. I want to make the Olympics again. And so I'm like, okay, great. So we want to take this to a high performance relationship. We have to up the ante on communication because I've never seen any relationship, no matter what the design of the relationship that didn't need an upgrade in communication if you wanted to go to the next level. Then there's Mm -hmm. commitment. Right. You want to you want to play a high performing game. You don't decide on the morning of whether or not you're getting out of bed to practice. You got to up your game right there. Then in order to do this, right, you're increasing confidence, you're increasing connection, you're upping your communication, you're upping your commitment. What then what does this need? Like, really, you need a community. And when you do those first five C's, what you create is a changing culture. And as we started to see this, we started to see how women are impacted in the horse industry because we call it cowboy, cavalry, and carriage. You know, the design of horse training was originally male. Not bad, just Mm -hmm. how it was, right? And so cowboys trained horses to be, they were utility. Carriage horses were utility and cavalry horses were utility. But it didn't blend in those things, those other C's that we were, that women look for, the connection, the communication, and especially the confidence. And so that's sort of the the long of it. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think that women in particular suffer, suffer, it's probably not the right word, but suffer from 
a lack of confidence or why do you think we see that more often? Oh, it is absolutely suffering. Yeah, I, <laughs> I see suffering all the time and Sinead and Meta can tell you what they see as trainers. And so I think, part, and this is where the culture piece really comes in, Helen, because I have been working also in the corporate world where I see this just devastating lack of confidence among women corporate executives. And the result is just like uh, this suffering, this internal suffering where am I good enough, right? The imposter phenomenon that we all hear about, not taking risks, not asking for enough. And the history of the culture of where women just weren't sort of brought up to believe that we have these leadership roles, that we have this kind of power, that we're able to perform at these levels. So it's always helping women climb out of this box of mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be confident. You're supposed to sit back and let the man be confident. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting conversation and an interesting dynamic, especially in our sport. Where does your passion for it all stem from? We have to address these things to make a difference. And we, for me, you know, when I train, it's very much through that connection. And because I get so connected with my horses, the, you know, that level of communication is so much higher. And it gives confidence to them as, as well as me, but particularly to the horses. And so when I have horses come in that aren't mine that I haven't trained, and there are simple things that I can change or show someone that just didn't get it, didn't get that you can do all this through connection. And that connection, when they get that and make small changes, and it comes together for them. And, and so then they get more confident in what they're doing. And it just makes them light up. That's inspiring. Exactly. And it's good all the way around. It's good for the horse. It's good for the trainer. It's good for the rider. I mean, it's good all the way around. And I want people to be able to train like that, right? And, and learn like that and not have it all be out of force and not have them be a machine or a number you know, a lot of the horses that come through and into my program and probably into Sinead's as well are, are horses that failed at high performance somewhere because something was overlooked, maybe not intentionally, but it was overlooked. And so the horse suffered and then the rider and horse suffered and the rider and the horse and the trainer suffered. And ultimately something failed somewhere. So if I can make a difference with that, and help people see it sooner and or get more connected sooner, then we'll have less of that. It'll be better for the sport. It'll be better for the animal. I want it to be like, I love getting on my horses, all of them, you know, not one. I mean, yeah, maybe I have a favorite one day and the next day it's a different one, but I mean, I love that. It's like, I don't, I don't go, oh my God, you know, what's he going to do to me or what's going to happen or I'm always looking for those little things that are successful that we can do together. That makes me happy inside. That's really, I think, where my passion comes from. So why now? Sinead, maybe you could take this one on. How come now? What sparked your decision to start the movement? Was there something like right now, obviously, you went to a clinic and you saw it, but something inspired you to jump on board, right? I think for me... When I went to this first clinic and started discovering more, starting with the science behind things, I actually found it very empowering. I found mm -hmm. relief from my own worst critic and fear of failure and these things that 
I suffered with that at the high performance level. When I started learning a little bit more about the science behind confidence and the reasons why I was feeling or was thinking about things this way, I felt empowered. Oh my gosh, I now and be an empowered student, an empowered trainer. I can help other people not feel this weight and this burden when they go out or when they go to train their horse or when they go to take a lesson or go into a competitive environment. I don't need everybody else to cater actually around me because I'm good. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like I feel good in that I have tools and things to stay at, at that level of focus and that level of confidence that I've been seeking for a long time. And to be honest, I think I was seeking it outside when I needed to become empowered inside. And mm -hmm. once I realized some tools and the journey that I'm on now, and I feel like when the three of us got together, we just started talking about situations and things that had happened in our past and then things that were changing. And for me, there really was a, this moment where I just felt like instead of being worried about taking on the world and the expectations with that, I felt excited. Yeah, let's go. You know, I, I laugh with the ladies because I'm like the field agent, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out to this competition and I'm going to try this and I'm going to try this. And and if it fails, sweet, <laughs> you know? right? <laughs> we'll uh, we'll figure that out, and uh, and then we'll talk about it on Monday, and then we'll talk to our community about it, and hammer it out. And so, it just put a spin on things for me that was really, really um, powerful, and I got excited about that. Yeah. I would hazard a guess to, I mean, if it were me in that situation, I think I would almost feel a big sense of relief. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if that's ever been addressed in any of your Zoom calls or any of your topics, but it would be relieving to finally just go, oh, my gosh, hold on a second. It's OK to feel this way and it's OK to want to express it and now le to learn how to express it. And then now I can actually meet people that might feel the same way. That would be a huge relief to me and very inspiring and empowering all in the same all in the same sentence, I think. Yeah, that's I think that's great. what people have started to find that's what we found at our symposium and at some of these clinics was that the community out where it was empowering and powerful. It wasn't like a big sob fest. I mean, there were tears, no. but it was like tears of relief. Like now what can we do? There was a lot of trepidation coming in. You know, if I start going down a bad path, just say, Hey, Hey, no, like you're good. Let's go down yeah. this road. And here's how we can all help do that. So it's really fun actually. For sure. So not that I want to compare, but what do you think is the biggest difference in, or what is the biggest difference that you see in how women operate in the horse business comparably to how men operate? I think we can all speak about it through slightly different lenses, which is kind of the thing that Jenny Meta and I bring together. I can look at it from a high performance, from being on teams and at championships with men and working under male trainers. And what I've seen is the, honestly, the lack of fear of failure, like they kind of go out and just do what they do. And I think that's good to um, note. And it's also having that same level of like, okay, well you do that your way. And I don't have that, maybe that strength. I have a different strength than, than that. And I'm going to be empowered and feel good about my strength being different than yours. And I found a lot that I was thinking I needed to do things the way this person over here did. 
and I was the person telling that nobody else was telling us. So from that side, now I feel a lot more empowered about working with a lot of male trainers and a lot of, uh, and, and teammates. Like I have a different need of connection and it's personal and individual to me. Um, so that's what I've seen on that high performance side. And I think, you know, Jenny and I've seen it from a couple of different angles too. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your input on that? Well, so this is Jenny and I think that the, you know, I, Sinead definitely experiences a different piece of the equestrian world being in the high performance ranks, because if you look at the rest of primarily the English, let's talk about the English disciplines, since that's mm -hmm. where we all travel, the vast majority, greater than 50% of all riders are women. So when you get to the high performance levels, it flips and there's more men. Mm -hmm you know, or an equal distribution, but, but, but it's like, you know, 70% or 75% women in the rest of the English world. And so it's very, very interesting that even though women make up the bulk of the numbers, it's still kind of a man's world and not like men go into it saying, well, I'm going to dominate and this is my world. But again, it's part of that model. It's that culture that we're trying to shift and create. And until you bring it up to a level of awareness, you can't do anything about it, nor do you realize that you need to do anything about it. You know, Sinead left our first clinic. Our first clinic, we said women only. And so we just invited women and we had about, we had about 30 people. And Sinead left and was like, I walked into the arena and sat down and felt immediately comfortable. Right. So there's there's something about being in a space that represents you, whether it's it's gender, a different type of identity, uh, race, whatever it is, age, even, you know, you walk into a room of people that are the same age, there's instantly a level of comfort there. And so inside of that level, of it's like a vibration. Yeah, that's a great way of talking about it. Yes, for sure. And so and when we started doing this, we started realizing that there's actually a, an incredible amount of resource and support there. And we have created, we have this, a very small ball that's rolling. We do a bi-monthly Zoom call and we have this great community. We have like a core group and they, every week they bring someone new and they're, they're just super supportive and they take really good care of each other. And the, you know, they can, we had a, a woman share a journal entry, which was, I feel bad that I didn't get on my horse today. And all of us were like, you shouldn't have, it wasn't safe. You were making excellent decisions. You know, like, and it turned into this amazing, like tribal circling of this woman saying you did, you made an excellent decision. And the sad thing is, is that you beat yourself up for actually doing what was right for you and your horse. And we'll, create a better, a better result today. And the next time you get on your horse. Yeah. Meta, do you have anything you wanted to add there? Well, when I started my, one of my biggest influencers was a Colonel who rode in the cavalry for 20 years. And so, so a my, man. a man <laughs> now, right? I mean, I, I really looked up to him, but it was yes or no, sir. I don't understand, sir. I mean, that was, you know, that was how it was. I didn't see anything wrong with that at the time. And I, I don't think I see anything wrong with it now either, except for when I look back at how it was done, it was very much regimented. You know, there wasn't a lot of flexibility in how it was done. Mm -hmm. 
And as I, as I have gotten older, experienced more, felt more, decided I wanted to do it differently, what I'm seeing is that, yes, I'm very grateful for my experience there. And I don't want to be yes, sir, no, sir. I don't understand, sir, with my horses. What I want there to be is this flow, this, this fluidness between us. And so that's more my drive towards this movement. One of the things that we talk about a lot is the difference between what to do and how to be. And we feel like the beingness is essential and very female, right? It's, it's very female to look to see like who and how are you being in relationship to yourself, your horse, your trainer, your task, your goals, your, your successes, your failures. And I think that the current model is much more around what to do or how to do it. And it leaves very little flexibility, like do it like this, you know, like that's, you know, make, when we talk about our horses in a training situation, a lot of times you hear, make them do it. They need to do this. This is do, 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 forgetting that they're a sentient being um, and that we are too. And that there is this whole world of relationship and connection that starts with the beingness and ends with the doing. And that's, I right. think, one of the, one of, that is one of the, the drivers for us, for sure. For all of us. The being feels more nurturing. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't mean that you <laughs> right? don't do. It's just where yeah. are you coming from to get there? And I think that's the shift that we're wanting to share with people because when they come from that, and they have to have a certain set of tools as well, but when they come from that, they can get much further, much quicker. They just don't realize it because all they know is you have to do and you have to do it this way. Right. What's interesting is showing how susceptible we all can be into the way that have been done. When we first started, we were making some video. We are still in the process of making yeah. some courses. And we kind of just were like, okay, let's go video all of us working. We'll see what comes up. And about, I mean, we were probably 10 hours, 11 hours into videoing right. and we kept getting, getting like, beating our getting heads crazy. against the wall because we kept making videos on how to do things. <laughs> and right. it's not what we want to do. We don't want to teach up down lessons. I mean, we can, um, yeah. and it's part of it, but we want to, you know, and I think Meta is actually the one that said we want to, it's how we, we want to be like, and that's what we want to gear our more towards. Like Jenny said, that the being is the start and the doing comes after that. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be a holistic way and approach, especially and with ourselves. And it's kinder to ourselves is when we go out to the barn, how are we? How, how am I? And then we need to harmonize our energy. You know, Jenny does this great deal on um, the maestro, orchestrating your energy yeah. to be around the horse. And then from that pleasant introduction, then you can do things. But if you start with the do, there's a lot that gets missed, you know, and it's a little mm -hmm. bit rough. It's a little abrasive, like 20 hours in, we're like, why does this not, why is this not <laughs> sitting right? And so we're like, well, yeah. let's just throw all that tape away. <laughs> <laughs> start again. <laughs> <laughs> Retake. <laughs> yeah. So how do we switch from being a part of 
I know that we're talking about the equestrian sport, but really it's about um, our position in the in the world. How do we switch from being a part of a man-made culture into something that's more of a, a gender-neutral culture? Because I don't, it shouldn't be one way or another or even differentiated by gender. It, I think that it should, just what you're saying, be a way of being. So how, how do we switch or shift our mindset into operating that way? Well, I actually think the the difference in the two genders is important. I think gender neutral um, okay. leaves leaves a little out because I think that men bring a great deal to every conversation, just like women bring a great deal to every conversation. The place where you lose power is when it's imbalanced. And so we've just had this imbalance in the horse world that has been driven by the male conversation. Yeah. And it's it's not that that it's wrong, it's just incomplete. So if we can begin to add our voices confidently, like as if they matter, as if we really have something to say, not going into something like, well, maybe this might could, do you think? But hey, listen, here's what I think. Here's what I saw. Here's what we try. Here's how I do that. And what do you think? And how do we integrate this? And how do we combine? Because the, you know, the more the more voices we have, the more powerful the conversation. So it's just been you know, if you think about it, it's just really been driven by one kind of tone. And now we're adding like some depth to it so that it creates like this beautiful, we can harmonize and, and create something that we couldn't before. I didn't think of it that way. That's a, that's an interesting way of thinking of it. I mean, obviously everybody's voice is important, but just trying to, I don't know, have a voice, I guess, at the same level is really what's important. Yeah. And it's a, it's a challenge because we're not really used to that. So it's hard for men It's and it's equally hard for women. You know, it's really hard for some women to stand up and, and say like in our clinic, we had this, I'm sorry theme, you know, like in the symposium, women would apologize. You know, I, we would point out something like, Hey, you could do it like this. And the immediate reply whether they were sitting in the gallery or they were sitting on a horse was, I'm sorry, I'll do it better. And so we started pointing this out and, and it was amazing. Guaranteed she was Canadian or all of the women that apologized. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we have some different tones, different ways of saying it even. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, but I'm making progress on it. Um, yeah. So, so we made them say thank you. Yeah. And that was really like to, to say thank you for a compliment of any sort was the other part. Women couldn't do it. Most of them couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, that's and, hard. And even when they mm -hmm. were reminded you know, you'd get one thank you and then you'd get, I'm sorry, or I'll do it bet better the next time, you know. Or it, no, it, that wasn't me. That was my horse. Right. You know, it right? was yeah. the moon. It was, you know, what socks I wore today. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I really want to know, actually, what your opinion is or what your thought is on the number one value that you feel is missing specifically in equestrianism. I know that it's not related, but I ask this question a lot just because I think it's an interesting answer. I think that in every facet, there's something missing. <laughs> and I'm always interested to hear what, what values people think are missing in, in the sport in particular. Uh, I'll go first and I'll let these guys cook on it. <laughs> yeah. So I, have I love that. Remember I 
<laughs> Sinead's wiping her brow going, thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a, so, so just to remind you of my view, I'm not a trainer. Um, I'm not a professional. I'm not even a very, I, I ride, but I'm, I'm not that good. I, I piddle. And, um, but I do know horses and I've done a lot of natural horsemanship and I've watched some of the most amazing riders and trainers over the years. So I've, I've had great exposure, but mostly from my, having my two feet on the ground and not in the stirrups. Then I'm also a shrink, right? So you throw that in there and that messes everything up. One of the things that I think is, is really challenging in the English uh, sport horse dressage, hunter jumper, eventing disciplines is that I think that it's really challenging to have high integrity and a very strict moral code. And I, and I think that it's because the design of, of the model for how horse people make money is horrific and is mm -hmm. goes directly against <laughs> integrity and having a moral code, you know, like it's, it's very challenging trainers right you know sales all of it it's it is fee for service it is you don't make money unless you're doing something and so and it's just it's really 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 tough so i think that we get and a lot of it's not transparent that's true yeah so i think that 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 for me is is in terms of values it's a missing value and the problem is is that not only do lots and lots of people suffer but at the end of the day it is really lots and lots of horses that suffer so yeah, yeah, that's mine. Meta. And I, I would agree with that. And I think the thing that, that came up first for me though, was compassion. Um, and I mean that both between riders in that, in our community, being more compassionate for each other and for our horses. I think that's what comes up for me. That was the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question. Yeah. Sinead, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would probably a lot of what all of you said. I think honesty and transparency with on on every level, you know, and that that can get even bigger into a certain amount of presence. I think everybody can make mistakes. Everybody can go, you know, push it a little too far or maybe not see something from a certain perspective and then, oh my gosh, go, oh shoot, this was, this was why that happened. Just recover, chat about it and carry on. And that happens with horses as well. And I think that's the compassion part that Meta's talked about is that with our horses, sometimes we fail, sometimes we make a mistake, but have a community that's compassionate that you can say, I made a mistake. And with your horse, you are aware of that and have that same compassion with them. And you've built credits with them because you're present and polite and you notice you come to the barn how they are and check in I think this and it's amazing what horses will do and and what they're capable of and it's amazing what students are capable of it's amazing what as individuals are capable of that can be infectious in the in the great way if we can start that you know whisper campaign <laughs> I think hopefully that really helps like Jenny's a lot of horses at the end of the day, because that's, that's a little bit why we're, we're here is we enjoy the, of our horses and want to enjoy the company, like-minded people. Yeah. So in a nutshell, it's learn about yourself, be nice to your neighbor, practice forgiveness and your world, it'll be a better place. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy, right? <laughs> be nice. Exactly. exactly. 
Yeah, just be nice. <laughs> More than that, but just be nice. So tell me how how do ladies find their own voice and get involved? I know that they can check out your website, c-6equestrian.com. And if you follow us on Facebook, uh, the Facebook page is just C6. You can't do a dash on Facebook. So it's just C6, the letter C, the number six, equestrian. At, you know, that's the Facebook. We also have an Instagram page, same thing, C6 equestrian. Uh, we do have an email list. So when you go to our website, you can join there. Oh, perfect. And we send that out. You can also email us. Our email is talk to us at c 6 equestrian.com or just shout out and someone will answer. And now we've come to what some would call the very best part of the show, our segment appropriately named What's and Why's. It's where we get to ask our guests some questions that inquiring minds want to know. So without further ado, I bring you the what's and why's for your listening pleasure. My first question is, who do you look up to and why? Jenny. Well, let's see. That is, it's, that's always sort of evolving. There are a couple of people right now, and I know that this sounds terribly political and it is and it isn't, but really Stacey Abrams is someone that I just find phenomenally powerful right now. And yes, her, where she is, like the, her zone of operation is in the political zone. But what I love about her is that she is just fierce, relentless, speaks her truth and just does not stop. She never gives up. She never gives in. She really takes a stand for what she believes in and what is right. And she is willing to do anything in order to keep the ball in play in, in on the court that she's playing and to me that is like God, courage resiliency strength focus all of it all all wrapped into one amazing successful um and important package mm-hmm. Meta, how about you who do you look up to and why carl hester i know it's a man <laughs> Carl Hester, because you know what? He treats his horses like horses, like real horses, and he's good to them and he trains them, but then gives them time to have relationship. Um, and he's not produced one. It's like three or four or five or six or 20 or 30. And he does it the same way. And his horses are happy and they're supple. Have you met him? I have not. Well, I hosted a clinic that he uh, that we invited him to in Toronto a few years ago. And uh, I have to tell you, he's as nice and as real as you think that he is. Yes. Well, I've I, I know people that know him and have met him and I've listened to enough of what he has said. And, you know, like you hear, you know, I have enough people that know someone, you know what the true story is. And he's yeah, I think he's the true story. So, he is. He's the real deal. Yep. Props to Carl. Sinead? I think actually the first person that came to mind, honestly, is my husband. And he's just inspiring for me to be around. I could have a list of authors and writers that I'm watching and inspired by. And I think, like Jenny said, it's constantly evolving and changing. I think as a writer right now, Piggy French is just at the top of my list. I think she's very, very decorated athlete and a very kind person and humble. 
my husband, I just admire because he's always seeking knowledge and he can be in a room with somebody with great energy and not great energy. And he pulls every bit of knowledge and information in a really kind way out. (laughs) (laughs) So then um, what's something that brings you joy and why? My horses bring me the most joy. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We take a walk almost every evening with the dog and I have to stop at each paddock and get a kiss and a nuzzle and a, you know, a little bit of breathing between each other. And, and it's like, and each horse, like they hear me coming, they hear my voice, they're up on the fence, like, and that just warms my heart. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, I'm super blessed, lucky, fortunate to have like amazing, uh, humans and horses, dogs, cats that I, that I'm in relationship with. Right. So Meta and I, um, have what I consider to be an amazing, great relationship and we take good care of each other and push the hell out of each other and (laughs) everything in between. And, um, I just every day wake up feeling lucky about that. And then my dog, who's just the sweetest, sweetest thing and the horses and then where we live. I never thought I would fall in love with Florida, but like we live in paradise. We walk the dog and spend time with the horses and I go for runs and, and it's just like the trees and the birds and we have like a whole ecosystem here. And I just wake up, woke up early to, you know, watch the sun and, or watch the moon last night. Just so, so much phenomenal beauty that just gets me every single day and pulls me back down to earth and says, okay, these are the things that are important. All that other stuff's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look back through your life, what decision brings you the most happiness and why? I've made a couple of really key decisions. Uh, I can think of three actually that were really critical that totally changed my life. Um, One was to go back to swimming after 10 years um, to try and make the Olympic team in 1988, which I didn't, but it still like changed the trajectory of my life in a way that I can't, couldn't have even imagined. The second was to go to graduate school. I mean, like I just never could have envisioned my life without graduate school. And before I had no future, no, no purpose, (laughs) no direction. And then the third was to move from California back to New York, which is where I stumbled upon Meta Larson, and um, that changed my life. So there were not one, but three pretty, pretty critical. Three. That's good. I like it. The decision to buy a farm. It was a really, really big decision for us. It just gave us so much freedom. And then having a son, I think that was a big, I was never one of those kids that A, dreamed about getting married or B, thought of and then I, when I married my husband, if anybody knows my husband, he like has to be a dad. He's like a dad before. Well, going to Morven Park when I was 18, you know, I wouldn't have known it at the, well, actually I did want to go. Like when that opportunity came up that I was excited, I was afraid, and it was the best year of my life. Um, I got to do things ride, be, work towards perfection. I know there's no such thing as perfection, but you were rewarded for doing things to the best of the best versus being cut down for being really talented or really good at a job. And so, you know, I look at that, that was 
that was a critical year for me. It was a great year. It was probably one of the best years of my life. And it gave me, you know, a foundation to believe in me being able to do with horses what I have then, you know, built on from that time moving forward. Yeah. That's it, man. It started there. So then my my fourth question is, what's something that you feel people get wrong about you and why? So people can look at me and think that I'm really stuck up or or snobby or hard. And it it's more that I'm very shy or introverted. So I think that comes across as a mistake often. Yeah. Jenny? Do you uh, agree with that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful how you answer that one. I see her from a different view. So... <laughs> Right. But yes, I, I, I would agree that. <laughs> no, we get ready to go to a party and she's like, do I have to go? Do I have to talk to people? So <laughs> she's a classic introvert. I think one thing that people get, I don't know if it's wrong about me. Well, there's that I'm, that I'm confident. You know, the funny thing is, is like, I, I remember that I had this, this moment, this realization. So I was like, I, I was, I made two national teams when I was swimming. I didn't make the Olympic team, but I made two other national teams. I was a four-year All-American at UCLA. I had a really good swimming career. I don't ever remember stepping up on the blocks with the feeling of confidence. And really, I've just sort of figured out how to, how to get through things and how to get stuff done even though I never felt confident and always wished that I did. I remember in college, there was a, this great, great coach named Richard Quick who has since passed. And I would watch him. He'd always whisper in the ear of his, of his athletes right before they stepped up on the blocks and then they would win. And I would just, it just, I was just dying to know what did he tell them? What did he, you know, infuse them with that? And it had to have been confidence. Um, so, while there is some post-event confident experiences for me, for sure, I don't go into things with a feeling of confidence. And I, I suspect that that will surprise people. Well, that brings me to my last question, which is, who would you like to hear on What's Your Why as a guest and why? You know who's phenomenal and who doesn't really get interviewed enough is Kathy Connolly. She is a top dressage coach. Um, you know, her, her team select, you know, like she's, she's been in the mix for a long, long time. And one of the, Kathy is someone that when I struggle to think or feel nice things about people that I'm struggling with, I try to channel Kathy Connolly because she is one of the, she's no, not one of, she's the kindest, most generous human being I have ever met. Uh, and she's just fun. And besides, she is an encyclopedia of wealth about dressage yeah. and horses and the industry. And you should have her tell her story of her World Cup horse. I mean, she's just and she's like this big. She's tiny. She's but she's just she's wonderful. You will fall madly in love with her. So there I, I stole it. Meta, you can't have her. <laughs> <laughs> Garth Brooks. <laughs> Is he, is he Do you have a contact? Could you pass his contact <laughs> along? <laughs> I might. I just might. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> well, no, really, though. I mean, he's just such a good soul. I mean, if you, he's one of the kindest, most generous, famous people I know. I, I know, yeah. you know, from a distance. <laughs> um, right. So, so that means you don't have that contact. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so you want someone realistic? No, 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 no. No, I'm not. I actually, I agree with you. Garth Brooks would be amazing. Yes, that's it. He, he's yeah, it. He's inspirational. When he came out with the dance, I was on my way to the airport to go to Paris. And mm -hmm. I made my mom stop at the mall to get the, you know, the, they were on Cassette. cassettes then. To get yes. that one. And I and I played that in the car on the way to the airport probably, you know, 10 times. And I'm like, Mama, this guy's going to be famous. <laughs> like I knew something. <laughs> lo but, and behold. Lo and behold. See, I knew it before anyone. Absolutely. No, he does it on a live one and he starts to cry. Have you heard that one? I, I haven't dance. heard that. I think it was at a concert after he was getting divorced, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty powerful. Um, because obviously that, that song has so much meaning to so many people, but you could feel in that moment that he wasn't, wouldn't have missed the dance. It was really crazy. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I hear you, Meta. Yeah. Right. Loud and clear. If I could have two people, I'd have Ingrid Klimka would be one of the, we maybe really <sighs> yeah. had a chance. It'd be awesome. She is, you know, she, I just find her amazing on several different levels from being able to compete at the highest level in pure dressage in pure eventing. And she, in every interview is like the kindest, brightest, has always has something wonderful to say about the horses. It's very classical and correct in her training. And, uh, it's just good, good, good horse training. And my husband worked for her for a little while and same thing, just everything in the barn and correct and kind, which is, um, you know, we talk about that a lot in C6. Have you met her? Briefly at Briefly. like, but it's so not where I can, yeah. I'm like a fan girl, but I'm riding at the same time. So it's weird. Right. Right. <laughs> It's funny that you say her name. It's amazing. So Carl Hester and Ingrid, I hosted clinics for both of those people in uh, at the Toronto venue. And again, everything that you see or read or feel about her, a thousand percent true, could not be a nicer person. She came with her mother to the clinic. Yeah. And it was, uh, I'm sure she came with her mother and it was, it was so nice having them there and meeting them and, uh, and having them do all the things. Anyways, she's a kind soul worth, worth it. Her horses love her, you know, like watching yeah. them go like at the top level at, and at the hardest events, they just skip around with their ears. Pricked. I mean, they are just, it's amazing. So yeah. she's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. We'll give her a call. She'll be on here before you know it. <laughs> Well, very good. Did we um, did we go over everything that you guys maybe wanted to include about C6? I just want to make sure that we don't miss anything. And we definitely want to um, encourage people to get involved because it's a it's an important movement. Although I know you didn't label it that it's sort of become that and it's uh, it's an interesting and and good voice. In, in a community that needs it for sure. So I just want to make sure that you guys have said everything that you want to be heard about it. I mean, we covered country yeah. stars. We covered right. <laughs> right? <laughs> everything. the A's <laughs> of the C's. 
Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time. I know that it's sometimes challenging to get schedules together when there's certainly uh, everyone involved. We certainly appreciate your time, energy, and everything you're doing. Your voice is amazing. And being a woman and women that are part of this community, it's uh, it's something that resonates with us. And we're jumping in both feet. We're, we're getting involved. Heather and I are both here. We should say, I should say four feet. We're getting involved. We want to be a part of that too. So thank you for your time, effort, and energy. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for giving us a, a soapbox to stand on. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Anytime. That's awesome. Thank Super. you. Super. Thank Appreciate you. It. Do you like how you're hearing today's episode? I don't mean how you're listening to it, but how you're hearing it. Whether you're driving in your car or listening on some pods, there's one thing that I'm certain of, that this podcast has been produced with the most enjoyable hearing experience possible. For those of you that know me, you know that these skills are most certainly not in my repertoire. So for that, What's Your Why has Twisted Spur Media Solutions to think. Twisted Spur is an all-encompassing solution-based media company that's everything magic. Offering digital solutions in podcast and audiobook editing and production, online course and membership design and development, in addition to content creation, online paid advertising management, and project planning, it's a one-stop shop of mad skills that Heather and her team bring to every project they work on. I can and will speak from personal experience when I say that Heather is a true advocate for quality and you won't find a better solution for your digital project than Team Twisted Spur. If you like what you hear or even just want to nose around, check them out at twistedspurmedia.com, where the process is easy and the solution is even better. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for this episode of What's Your Why? Our listeners, guests, and our sponsors, too. It's our hope that you enjoyed your time with us and possibly gained some new perspective as well. It's said that we can learn something new every day if we just listen, and that knowledge has a beginning, but no end. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe, be well, and remember, always leave people better than you found them. A Twisted Spur Media Production.